0: Hello, friends. Welcome back. This is the Human Up podcast, and my name is Nathan Gangadine. This is episode 10, where we are covering one of my all-time, most beloved topics, narcissism. More specifically, universal narcissism. When I first heard this word, narcissism, of course, you know, I hear it probably like many people do, like somebody who's obviously full of themselves, right, a narcissist, somebody who's totally high on themselves and egotistical, you know, and blah, 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 just a standard uh, definition of a narcissist reserved for the select few of outrageous beings that seem to be so uh, lacking in that level of self awareness that would keep one from being so boisterously egotistical, and self-serving. But I'm talking about something way more universal. (laughs) And I would like to think of that version of narcissism as just that, a version of narcissism. But I would like you to consider with me that narcissism is, in fact, the universal human condition, and we all have varying degrees of it. It's not so much this issue of being even obviously focused on oneself or selfish. It's more of an inability to break out of the limitations of your own consciousness where it's almost like a, prog- a progression of a disease. You could say that in a way there's a natural aspect to it, just like any baby or child is going to be unabashedly like me 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 right well so there's like a healthy level of that and it's a kind of a survival thing but if it's not handled properly and this is where we might be leading into uh, a foreshadowing (laughs) of themes to come namely parenting if we're not properly parented, that natural narcissism can turn into a very unhealthy narcissism to the extent that one becomes almost enslaved to their own self-absorption. So I want to make clear that there's a big difference between self-love, which is so much of what I want you to experience in the human Up process is to remember and deepen the sense of love itself which is self-love because real love is not going to be loving towards others and then unloving towards oneself so I think one of the big mistakes people make especially in spiritual movements you must go from service to self to service to others and they're not realizing that they're making a just an opposite move, but staying on the Titanic with that one. So you're still you're still in the same boat. In other words, when you say don't think negative, think positive. Go from service to self to service to others. Now, if you understood just basic logic in terms of uh, how everything is paired with its opposites, you realize there's no amount of positive thinking and pushing away negative that's going to really be the authentic liberation. That you're seeking, right? So that's why when I hear these a lot of these calls to think positive, don't think negative, it's too um, it's too blind, blind, blinded by its own logic. In a way, it's a, a a form of narcissistic logic that hasn't done just the basic stepping back from that game of opposites, that dualism of of me know like this, me do opposite. It's very, very kind of basic thinking and it's standard and I'm not trying to put it down, um, but it's not helpful Helpful, and everyone needs to see that because when you start to see that game of opposites of either or thinking, it's a level of thinking that has us so deeply trapped. I challenge you to take a look at your thinking in, in decision making, in dealing with any, really it's it's all day long and it's in all different ways, sometimes subtle, sometimes obvious. But so often we're we're stuck to an either or level of thinking me, not me. So therefore, if it's not about me, then it has to be about you. Right. When I was just saying real love is big enough to have have it be both and it's not just a both. Oh, it's not either or, it's both. That's even not, that's still another move. It's something deeper than that. It's something wiser than that. And we all have access to this intelligence inside of us. But like I've said again and again in these sharings, we have been uh, unknowing, uh, unbeknownst to ourselves, we have been handicapped along the way of our coming into Uh, the practice of thinking and consciousness and and language and decision-making and just what gets passed on from generation to generation to generation there are evolutions in a sense there's definitely uh, without a shadow of a doubt through the ages a a movement towards something more woke Um, a great basic simple example which does not have to rely uh, on on just one religious strand. But if you look at just the the evolution, for example, of Christianity in terms of the levels that went from the Catholic Church to the Protestant Church, which was saying, we don't have to go through the Pope, we can have our own church, roughly, uh, you know, summing this up. And then the Quakers, who were more like, no, we don't have to go through the church or through... The priest at all, but that the Christ energy we seek is—we all have direct access to this. It's sort of like a a more you know let's get a rid get get rid of the idols, let's get rid of the all of the go betweens, let's sit in silence together and let's tap that sacred space together. Which you can see is kind of like a, a an evolution in, in a sense. Um, and if you look at how our the founding of the United States of America is from the Quaker. Principles, really, of we're all sacred and we're all we're all equal in that sense. And so, can we have a nation founded upon "e pluribus unum"? There's many of us. We're diverse, but yet we are one, right? In the either-or thinking, it's either pluribus, and we've got diversity and all these different ideologies, and we all tolerate each other, but we all stay in our compartments, and there's not a real unity in that. Or we have unity, which means that everybody has to adhere to the same thing, and we, get, we do away with, with diversity. Obviously not an option, even though there's a lot of people who do want that. Um, you can get upset at either side, but what I'm asking you to get upset with is not that. <laughs> but the, perhaps the fact that you've never been told to step back and think and ask, what kind of thinking is making me dualize So you can have, even though our very nation is founded on the principle of e pluribus unum, in many one, one nation under God. Okay? Take away the God talk, one nation under reason, source, truth, one nation under goodness, truth, love, one nation under love. There's many, many words that you can insert there, but they're all getting to the same source. And that's what I'm saying. There's this evolution through time. Uh, And I'm just gave kind of one strand, really. But I want you to imagine that that strand of evolution is all we're all being driven towards something more woke, as I would say it now, something more conscious, something more loving, something more fair, something more good for all. There's a universal striving. And we see things like slavery and go like, what's What's, what's up with that? Slavery is stupid. Done. You know? And we do things like that. You know, gays can't marriage? Gays should be able to marry. Okay. Gays can't marriage. <laughs> gays can't get married. That We should change that. That's silly. All right? Okay. So so just think of it like what's moving all that? Why? And how do we know? You know, it's, it is kind of like we're, in a way, evolving out of the Dark Ages. So there is a very good movement happening where just out of sheer necessity we're having to get over our hang-ups but it's like we're we're, it's like we're going against the wind and what is the wind in this case the wind is the the resistance of uh, that rudimentary level of thinking that either or thinking that me separate to you inside outside everything is 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 divided look at a map for example look at it just It's just everywhere in the way that we think, even in our architecture and structures and just the way we do everything is all fragmented and fragmenting. And so we have all compartments and departments and, and sections and it's all chopped up. And I want you to think of that as the, the wind that we're tr- we're trying to come to oneness, love. We're trying to evolve to a higher level of being human, but we're going against the momentum of some really deep habits in our thinking. Okay, so as always, what I'm what I'm talking us into, um, or speaking from, and hopefully bringing you into it v- via this vocal journey, this song, if you will, is to come into that place where we, where it is, you're, you're residing in that coherent space of oneness that has the room for pluribus and unum, either or, um, and, and to kind of rise above that divisive level of thinking. Okay. So I'm suggesting that narcissism is really a spin-off of this deep code, which cuts everything off from everything it splits everything it splits atoms it's in other words it dissects and divvies and compartmentalizes everything and now our thinking in that way is going to have effects all the way down to the physical level. I teach this a lot in yoga, for example, that if we're doing a yoga pose and I'm saying, put your left arm here and your right arm there and turn your head like this and put your right foot here. It's like a game of twister. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) left hand on yellow, right foot on red, you know? And it's, there's a, there's an awkwardness to it. Why? Because the, the way in which we're thinking about the body is dissective, I'm making this word up. It's dissective and dissecting. In other words, our consciousness, when I say arm, we may not realize this way. This is my arm, right? And everything else is not my arm. Well, here's my other arm, but you get the idea. So this is my right arm. Everything else is not my right arm. But where is the line? Well, it's somewhere around here, right? Shoulder-ish. So that line is not actually there. But we feel like it is. Why? Because that's the way we think. So, in other words, there's no separation between the way you're thinking about your body and how how it moves and how you move it. So, if I'm going into a pose, warrior pose, where we where we, our arms go out like this, and I just simply say, "Bring your right arm and left arm up," without addressing the the mechanics, the the, the mental mechanics of that, you're gonna in a way you're gonna automatically do the hinge thing, right? Arm, not arm, hinge, connector. And your movements are going to be more mechanical like that, right? So one, this is just an example. One of the things I'll say is imagine the place where both your arms are born or where the, both your arms, if your both arms had an origin, find that place and grow your reach from there. Because the fact of the matter is your arm was never attached to your body. To say in a way, to say that this is an arm is to cut it off. Mentally. And that effect is real in everything we do. So it's just built into the code, guys. Everything is divvied up. We divvy everything up. And this is how we um, get information. So um, information, which people conflate with the idea of knowledge, knowledge equals information. And I'm going to Deconflate or pull those apart because I want you to think of knowledge as something higher. Knowledge is not comprised of information. Information, on the other hand, just like that map with all of the borders and lines and divvies. Information is a conglomeration of mind bites. Um, Information bites. Google information. So you can Google the word love and you'll get a definition of love. But that definition of love is not love, for example. And this goes for everything, you know. Um, there's definitions, information, which is sort of like the statues, uh, representational statues. They're they're dead. They're not alive. They look like the real thing, but they're not alive. They're 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 just hardened. But then there's a higher level of the word, of consciousness, of language, which isn't about. About uh, representing something else, the Go- the Google information, to call it that, is a representation of. It points to its source, and so where a lot of people stop is they well, well, it, you can't speak about this. You can't speak about knowledge. You can't. It, it's and they're right. You can't speak about it because knowledge is being. Knowledge is not talking about it. Right, so I'm just trying to get, give you a sense of the two the two levels that we're working with here, and I'm, uh, to human up is to rise into that space of knowledge, and knowledge is not knowledge about knowledge is knowledge itself, being beingness, okay, and so that is that is the place. It's a it's a a higher state, as I called it in the last uh, episode, in regards to staying in the zone. It's sustained bliss consciousness that we do have to practice and we do have to work at it because everything we've been taught and and almost demanded our culture demands from us that we that we informationalize everything and ourselves and we go to school and we we get taken all this information then we spit it out again in tests and reports and then you get a letter grade which evaluates how intelligent or not intelligent you are objectifying everybody and every student every person our culture does that are you attractive are you unattractive are you this or you that so we've got this really if you can really step back from it and you can see wow it's brutal to the to the being, to the to who we are, that's brutal. Okay, so when you when you come into that though, y- you know, we have varying degrees perhaps of resilience to be able to uh, A, handle it and and keep somehow keep our heart and goodness intact, our being intact, and still be able to interface with this with this world, this uh machine-like, computer-like culture that we're in. It's it's very computer-like in terms of you know, very cut and dry, either or, black and white, good and bad, everything is just sort of broken down in that way. And we know as a human being that doesn't that doesn't feel right. You know, now frame, you know, the the, the judgment against gay or transgender or anything. that doesn't fit into the either or male or female. And then, we, and then if something's not fitting into those categories, we go, ah, I don't like that. Weird, different. And, and so... I'm wanting you to see the source of that of that judgment and prejudice. It's not so much specific prejudices against specific kinds of people. It's prejudice itself, and we're all on that level, uh, to varying degrees, prejudiced. Even if we don't want to be or mean to be, or even if we're not racist or sexist or homophobic, we may be still prejudiced because prejudice is actually deeper, it's a deeper state of consciousness that I'm connecting now to narcissism is is almost a prejudice against reason. Narcissism is is like a state of being hardened into a rigid space of thinking that may, as measured next to the person next to you, may be more open-minded. You may be more out of the box, you know, than... So, so-and-so, whoever this is over here, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and you're more open-minded. And then that gives you the sense that, well, I am therefore free from prejudice, narcissism, um, judgment. Um, mental, mental and therefore confines of the being. Mental confines is confines of your being, of your emotions. So your emotions don't get a free pass away from your mental state. Sorry. You're, you're, you know, you... Uh, we do this all the time. I just went... <laughs> this is a great story. It just happened today. I just went to... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry. Let me gather myself. Because it just kind of happened, and then the moment came and went, and I didn't think about it. Now I'm actually thinking about it. But I I went to uh, the hardware store, and I, was, I had a, a, a bin of joint compound, which is because I'm fixing the drywall in the house. And I realized... I should have gotten the quick set, which, which dries faster. Short story long. (laughs) I went to Ace to just see if they had the same tub, but a a, a quick drying one. Um, I walk in with the receipt and the old tub. And I, as I'm walking up or walking in, uh, you know, I don't think anyone really sees me holding these two things. And and then I go to the aisle. I find that, you know what? This is this is the best product. It actually took me going all the way to the the hardware store to actually just read the label and realize this is fine. So I ended up going to the hardware store for for no actual reason other than to realize I already had what I needed. And then I I started to walk out and it was busy, you know, I didn't want to, you know, bother anybody, but I thought, "You know what? I I'm not stealing anything, but I thought I could look like I'm stealing something." So one of the guys who kind of knows me we don't know each other well, but he's seen me many times, and so he's hey, hey, buddy, hey, hey, you know, friendly uh, interaction. I'm getting to my car, and I'm turning it on, and I look in the side view, and he's walking out, and I'm thinking, he's coming to talk to me. He thinks that I just stole this, and poor guy must have been like, shoot, I don't want to be in this position. I've seen, I've seen nothing so many times, and he's not the kind of guy that would steal, but you know, he just walked in, grabbed something, and walked out. And he's got something in his hand and he didn't pay for it. His perception, his mind reading of it was totally understandable. If I was in his position, I would have done the same exact thing. But think about how he must have felt between that moment and then probably one of the other ladies I imagine was like, that guy just walked out with something in his hand. And he was like, oh, no. And then and, and then that created a whole feeling of confrontation. Right. And then he walks up he rolled down the window and he's like, oh, you know, you're going to have to pay for that. And, and I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I have the receipt here, and it's there. I just realized I was looking for a quick set one, and he didn't have it. So I just decided. And he immediately changed. He was like, oh, what were you looking for? And we do have that. It's in a bigger tub. And, and I said, no, it's, it's okay, man. I'm sorry. I should have told somebody. Uh, so I took responsibility for that because it did occur to me. So the reason for this story is very, very, very important. Because those of you who think that feelings can exist without some kind of mental state or consciousness are gravely mistaken. And there's a lot of people that I encounter who who don't want to go here where I'm taking you because they think it's irrelevant to them. They think they can I can get a bypass because I have feelings. And I don't have to think about those feelings. But I want you to imagine that your feelings are in a container of interpretation. And you can feel What you call feeling may actually just barely be touching the capacity to feel. Why? Because in order to feel, you have to. There has to be someone there to recognize the feeling is happening. And and it's almost it's a two way street. You can have feelings, and you don't. You 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 go. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel hungry. Right. But also, I feel I feel upset that you just walked out of the store with this with the with that thing. And I feel that. It was real feeling. Now, if you just automatically give your feelings ultimate truth factor, you know, and a lot of people do that. How do you know? I don't know. I just feel it. Not good enough, guys. I'm sorry. It's not good enough. We got to go that next level and understand the, the the deeper science of consciousness because feelings are not separate from consciousness. We keep doing that that mistake, and it's a lot of what's splitting the ma- masculine from the feminine. So the masculine is the thinky, brainy, heady. You know, cut off from the, the neck down. And the feminine is the feeling and the body and all that. Can we stop doing that already? I mean, it's ridiculous at this point that we're still doing that, and it's part of this narcissistic rigidity of our minds that's keeping us in defense mechanisms for our ideologies in the name of goodness and freedom and speaking up for our truths and all of this. But we don't realize what we're doing is, is driving a stake in the ground for our prison cell, for our uh, rigi- rigidity of, of being which is the unfeeler that's what cuts us off from feeling from empathy from the ability to actually encounter the other as a real being and not a screen appear, uh, an object appearing on my screen of awareness so you may not realize this and it's a very unsettling thing to come to terms with is you, it, i would go so far as to say to some degree every person you encounter you are an object on in their Self-centered universe you they may not treat you like an object Let me jump to driving really quick because this is just a perfect example when we're on the road We are Going by so many people that we know we'll never see again How many times have you I know I have many times Just seen the person in front of me who's driving at a slower pace than me, than I want to go, as simply an object in the way. And of course, I know there's a person in there, but at that moment, it doesn't matter if I know them, if there's somebody's sweet grandmother or some student driver or somebody who's scared because they got in an accident last week. None of that occurs to me, right? Because I'm on my narcissistic way, which means I got to get from A to B, and that's all that's important, and this person's in my way, okay? So that's what I would call normal narcissism. It's a it's a privileging of one's own perspective, no matter what. It's not about, it doesn't have to be, hey guys, I'm so great, oh, look at me, I'm just amazing. You know, that that's not what narcissism is, that's just a version, a tiny little version of narcissism. Narcissism, let me reiterate, is a state of, of ri- rigidity, uh, a state of, inability to perceive outside of your own bubble of interpretation. That means you're actually in to that extent, you're acting like an object in the world. You know, you don't need someone to objectify you to be objectifying yourself in the sense that you are moving. We're almost like a bunch of loose cannons. And we know that we can't, Run into each other like when we're driving on the road we know we can't you know we've got we're all kind of playing by the rules, but that doesn't mean we're in we're in a flow together it's almost like well we're, well let's all agree to not kill each other here you know <laughs> I won't run into you, you don't run into me you know and that doesn't even work all the time and you know in other words, okay, so everything that that we do in culture it, it, it seems like it's humming along is humming along to the extent that we have Certain things, excuse me, please, thank you, goodbye, hello, you know, how are you? We've got this kind of basic, you know, uh, mechanisms, you know, to say it's a red light stop, green light go, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying the road is devoid of any humanity. If it, if it weren't, you know, uh, obviously that, that people were... Caring for each other and I do see it a lot it always makes me happy for humanity when I see somebody stop for someone else and and selflessly let someone else go by. I always love seeing that and And that's good. So I I just want to be clear that I'm not putting down the whole of humanity. I'm just saying, given the eyes to see what I'm trying to point out, because what, okay, what's my ultimate goal here, guys, is for your freedom and my freedom. It's freedom that I'm speaking about. What's where does freedom happen? Is it free to be a narcissist and do whatever you want? Whatever that means. Is that what freedom is? No, I'm going to just say it. It's not. And that's what my last podcast was about. Being brave enough to question that if what you want is really what you want, or are you just driven by the invisible slave driver of FOMO like everyone is to some degree. We're all able to get along to a degree, but, we're, but that doesn't mean that we are free. It means that we are managing ourselves as best we can. But we're seeing the 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 bursts, pew, you know, uh, a, a shooter goes off over here and we go, wow, freak incident. Why? You know, what's that about? I mean, you know, think of it like like a pressure cooker, you know, and and our narcissistic space that we're in, which is all about me, me, me. Just watch the commercials. All of them now. Most of them are all about, you know, you deserve to be served. You deserve everything. Everything's about sitting and binge watching what you want to watch while you order a car, you know, and it's like and it seems like there's no shame about this. It's just sort of like a it's like, oh, wow, that's great. I can just be, be I can just have the whole world just come come to me, you know, and I've got Amazon Prime. I freaking love it. So I'm not putting down the business per se. I'm just saying the way that it's catering the way the culture is catering to um me, center, me, I I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. and it's it's almost like breeding uh, more so than ever a whole generation that's beyond just affluence, it's entitlement. There's a whole generation uh, and it's always been there. I mean, in a way, if you go right down to the ground floor, I think that most people act entitled to, to exist, right? Like I exist. so who cares? everybody exists. I want more. I want, you know, and, and, and just at the ground floor to make it as clear as day. Why is it that when existing, when put to a threat, like you're going to die, you're going to, you know, get shot or, you know, in a car accident or fall off a cliff or whatever imminent danger you might see. Why is it? that the rest of the time unless it's threatened and and the reality of it can be taken away existing as we know it whatever comes after that if anything why is it then that if we're not face to face with the threat of losing existence that we're we just take it for granted and we are just you know yeah so I would venture to say that that's the start of depression And, you know, because if you're if if existing is already uh, leaving you feeling like you're lacking, then something is definitely seriously wrong, but also. If you admit that it is and that's where you are, that's really good because that's I think what at most people are feeling is that that's why people don't like to be still for, for the most part. That's why you know we're going so fast and that's why there's more and more noise and everything's getting louder and it's more and more frantic and faster, faster, faster. What's driving that? There's some force that's driving that. And it's a universal force and we're all in cahoots here and trying to run from something. And as we go faster, we're more insatiable. And that insatiability, it's almost just – there's like a physics to it. We all become more and more needy and more and more vacuous and more and more uh, entitled and more and more – as a whole, I'm calling it narcissistic, more – hardened and accustomed to a life driven by discontent and not enoughness but it is ironic that the, the from the narcissistic vantage point it's so defensive we can be so defensive of our own prisons we can be so defensive about what is essentially a narcissistic trap in a, uh, one way you might want to look at it is is that we're all in a way kind of two beings at once and there's there's the who we who we really are are just our pure being imagine yourself stripped of all um discontent And senses of incompleteness or guilt or shame or regret or any kind of emotional baggage. Imagine you just beautifully, just free from all of that for for a moment, Um, just to get a sense of a feeling of a pure, free you. How would you be? How would you act? How would you move if you were totally just blissed out, you know, and just totally content just to be right? Imagine that version of yourself Well, that version of yourself is potentially right here right now it's like a it's like a a channel that you can tune into if you want to um but meanwhile there's this other self that's that is increasingly more and we get our our culture trains us into this um we get increasingly more that one-way street feeling of getting older um less spontaneous less um playful more serious uh, worry more, depression, things, you know, we start to get, and I'm not saying it's it's one path for everybody. There's many variations, and, and it's amazing to me, given what we endure, how m- many happy people there seem to be, given, I mean, at least what people put out to the public. We, we actually don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> Truly, truly blissful, happy people people there are. But I feel like what I do see a lot is that people are good. And I think that people really enjoy feeling like they're not just another object on other people's screens passing by. But I think we all do kind of feel that way. as a feeling of almost unimportance and and a kind of insignificance, I think, that in one sense... I think it might be good to pause and go, wait, how significant am I in the big picture? Yeah, but I don't think that that's the most woke move to go like, because ah, then you run the danger of this, of the kind of nihilism, which is the attitude of nothing really matters anyway. You know, there's no point to any of this anyway. You know, it's all, it's all senseless and, and weird. You know, YOLO, baby, you know, that kind of attitude is not is not woke um, and it's not um, it's not blissful. But the culture breeds a sense of insignificance and and a lack of importance. And I think this actually happens at a very, very young age, if nothing else, by the sheer inability of our parents because of how cut off they might be to You know, how how progressed in their own versions of the narcissistic depression of our culture has gotten them may not have been able to show up for the legitimate real needs that we had as extensions of nature, Uh, as I expressed it in the last podcast. You know, children think of babies and children as as, you know, uh, nature. Un, untainted nature that come into the culture. What are they coming into? There's not just um, a world of things, right? It's a world of codes and codes of conduct and ideas and at, uh, r- certain built-in reactions to, to what's really natural. I mean, think about how many people might have a hang up about uh, you know bodily processes because of the way their parents might have uh, you know, cleaning a diaper. Just pick an obvious one. You know, how many of us have hangups about sex because of the repression in our given culture or the distortion of it, um, the, the, the misuse and abuse of it? Right, so these are just examples. Again, if you look from a narrow vision, from a narcissistic lens, you cannot connect the dots that I'm trying to show you here. There's this, all of this, is connected. All of all of the, the, you know, the forms of violence and dysfunction and malfunctions within the person themselves, and between people, and between cultures, and all around the world, and between us and nature, are all symptomatic of this of this core state of being which again to for this expression of it I'm referring to as universal narcissism it's a it's it's a state of being fixed into a myopic bubble of perception that you can't break out of and you might even be defending that that's what I was calling your prison you defend that prison you defend that bubble that's why differences threaten people so you want to get to, to to narcissistic bubbles that resonate with your narcissistic bubble. And so and then we call that love and like. And we, you know, you find a partner who you can be codependent with. And, and so so when we talk about codependent relationships, they're all codependent. Unless both partners, because it can't just be one. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. Both partners have to be Willing to do what so many of us are so scared to do, which is to step back from the familiarity of that suffocating container and to step back from oneself and to step back from one's world and go, holy moly, and to step back and be brave enough to see how unwell we are as a people. Still, and yeah, we can normalize it and be like, oh well, you know, that's reality. But that's part of the disease. That's part of the um the narcissism has a self sustaining thing about it. It's like it doesn't want to break out of its own self focus. And so instead of stepping back and going, Oh, whoa, 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 this is not cool, we go, huh. Eh, well, I guess that's I guess that's happening. You know, the nihilistic sort of, well, I guess Things are just messed up. You know? I guess there's no point to it anyway. Best you can do is just be the best person that you can. You know, we're only human. And we have all these all these ways, and we twist words of wisdom, even, to to stay there. You know, like, well, universe is infinite and is infinite and it doesn't really matter, and you know, or whatever it might be. There's I've I've heard so many different variations of twisting, twisting wisdom to stay to, to work with our narcissism. And so one way to define wisdom is to see your narcissism to gain it but you can't see it with your narcissistic lens narcissism can't see itself so that's therein lies the scary transition of pulling off that lens that we're so used to being brave enough to put into critical questioning and when i use the word critical i don't mean it in terms of being critical in a a sharp cutting judgmental way i'm saying being super woke. And, and, and essentially kind of scientific about yourself. You know, in other words, science, for example, uh, touts itself to be unbiased, right? And that's why it's getting to the truth and the reality of the matter, because we're running the test. It has nothing to do with our opinions. It's we tested it here, we tested it there, we corroborated the results, we, we saw the patterns, we're doing the things, we have nothing to do with it, right? Grave mistake, because there's always a lens involved. But to take that the purity of that principle of, of unbiased observation, we need to be able to do that at the deepest level for ourselves. And that's scary because we have to pass through some shadowy valleys, so to speak, uh, to to perhaps do that. Because if we, for example, have been so afraid of stepping into that light of, of, of self-critique and awareness and reflection um, – and, and and our lives have been predicated upon actually running from our demons and running from our ghosts and running from our pasts and and, and spiritualizing it and going ah, you know the past is the past you just got to let it go S- cut it off meanwhile it's still there <laughs> you can't fake that guys we can't you know so the the words of wisdom are being really misused here and i'm saying face the past i'm saying l- you know look at all these things, but not in the sense of like like Google information like what happened in my past like that No, it's much more immediate than that. It is something about I Like to call it dilating your consciousness or dilating your lens. So if we're used to a myopic and narcissistic fixed lens to do this and, and, and dilate your lens is scary and it can come with a whole lot of feelings. Uh, it can come with fear. It can come with regret, guilt, self-judgment, self-condemnation. You know, because we start to, you know, if we've been running from from these these programs that we have, we become more and more pretentious. And the more pretentious we become, the more enslaved to that pretentiousness we become. And it becomes a kind of rampant sophistry, which we're seeing all all across the culture right now sophistry is a powerful word and i want you to know exactly what it means i'm going to actually pull it up on the dictionary here the use of fallacious arguments especially with the intention of deceiving okay so sounding true but not actually being true Pretentiousness, um, you know, saying whatever you need to say to keep yourself in your narcissistic space in your narcissistic world of not having to change and and all you have to do is say fake news or whatever you, you just you just point and somebody can say what you said this yesterday and now you're saying this today and you're like, I didn't say that, you know, it, you know, it's one of the, the examples we're seeing right now in in, in America is a lot of that kind of stuff going on and there's almost uh, there's almost no comeback to it because you know, anybody can just say, well, that's your truth. It's not my truth. You know, there's no truth. It's just, you have your truth and I have my truth. You've got your perspective. And I got my perspective. There's no, uh, you know, and, and and people don't know the, how to answer that. They know it rubs them the wrong way. They're like, no, there is a truth. But then the, the side that's saying there isn't a truth has a point because it's, they're, they're, they're not doing it in a good way, but they're saying you, everybody has their interpretation. So it's just your interpretation. And there is no higher interpretation. There is no common interpretation. There's only different interpretations. So now we're in a game of sophistry, a narcissistic battle of ideologies where it's a matter of how many people can you get behind you, uh, for this, for any given ideology. And even if one side perceives themselves to be the more right, the more true, the more honest, the more factual, they still may not have what it takes to, to actually answer to the ra- rampant sophistry. And, and in that sense the sophistry is all over. Why? Well, because we're de-sourced, I call it. It's like we're we're cut off from truth. We don't understand that our very codes, our deepest codes of consciousness, are severing us from, uh, from truth. So the same person that says there is right and there is wrong may not be able to, and then you say, how do you know? Well, I just have a feeling. It's not good enough, right? At the end of the day, your good feeling is not gonna stand up in court, so to speak. In the court of truth so <clears throat> this is a matter of, of life and death here guys and if we don't see that the narcissism and all the self-defense mechanisms that are built around our narcissism are there we be, we continue to participate in the this integration therefore breakdown and self-destruction of humanity that we're seeing all around us right now and we all know it's a hair away from mega disaster. And I'm not being alarmist. It's just the fact of the matter if, whether if we look at it on a resources level or a, or a climate level, or we look at it in terms of nuclear weapons, we look at the power struggle of the planet, and we're looking at water crisis, if you're looking at pollution, any number of things, it, we're, we're a hair away from, from, you know, mega disasters. And so that pressure is good, because it's making us have to really face it, except then we are so afraid to see it that our coping strategy instead of facing it is so very often, I just don't want to think about it, right? So I have a lot of friends who say, I don't watch news for that reason. And and I say... Watching the news isn't about taking everything hook, line and sinker. It's about getting your finger on the pulse of that perspective of that what's going on in the world and being in touch with what's going on in the world is, is part of what we need to. We need to be woke right now about what's going on. Granted, a lot of news outlets uh, really limit what's being shared. Yes, of course, it's up to us to enrich with as many sources as possible and, and get as clear of a picture as we can, but we do not want to bury our heads in the sand right now about the disaster that humanity is facing, because when we do that, then we, we postpone and procrastinate our healing. And, and our healing is not like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? It's necessary. If we don't heal on this deep level, it's only a matter of time before we do completely self-destruct. Or it gets it gets really nasty, nastier. I mean, we're we're looking at that. And and so if we're not willing to face the narcissist, not just the narcissist in us, but the narcissism itself, which again, and I reiterate, is an arrogant fixity to your lens and perception without any willingness to step back and critically look at your own consciousness. To step back and see your seeing mind your minding it doesn't take that much in actuality but there's so many defense mechanisms in place because that narcissistic self of yours and everyone has it in a way wants to sustain itself it almost has a will to live it does it has a will to continue and to do what I'm inviting you to do is to bring to bring the light to that. And that is its demise because it it thrives on on the hiding. It's it thrives on the smoke and mirrors. It thrives on doubt. It thrives on confusion. It thrives on procrastination, denial, resistance, sophistry, pretense, distraction. It thrives on that. So I'm asking everyone watching this to bring themselves into critical awareness, a higher critical awareness, the likes of which I'm demonstrating for you now. Because when you do, you realize that there is a very real default mode, meaning that's the mode we'll go into if we don't stay woke, that is killing us. It's a kind of suicide that ironically is all about itself while... Well, that's what kills it because nothing in nature, nothing in reality survives in a vacuum, but by itself. It's all relation Everything is in relation to everything else. The exhales that are coming out of me right now. You might be inhaling right now We're all sharing the same air. We're all in a, in a, a Movement together with all the other animals and creatures and plants and and you know, even the algae in the oceans and the you know It's all the whole nature of this reality is relation which is I thou which means the other is as sacred as the I and that's not a narcissistic space you cannot be a narcissist and be in true relation which is true love which is true reciprocity and exchange and harmony dialogue you can't bring your monologue lens and, and that's, so that's another way of thinking of narcissism, the narcissistic state of being is the inability to step out of your monologue perspective because you don't even realize that you have a lens. You don't even realize that you have an interpretation process and you really do act. It's called a solipsist. You act as though reality is as you see it. And you don't even you don't even bring it into question. You don't. You're not even that woke about it. You don't think of that. But everyone acts as though what they're seeing they're seeing in terms of pure revel- reality is is exactly as I see it, as though there's no interpretation and no uh, pitfalls for distortions in that perception. Uh, and and misinterpretation, and so we all are narcissistic to the sense that we can't even recognize (laughs) that basic step, which which is a humbleness thing. It really is. The narcissist in us is inherently arrogant. It's ignorant arrogance. It thrives on the ignorance. And not hearing what I'm saying to you right now, it thrives on that. So, if we can't call out that that we have a lens, we are going to be quite haughty, folks. In the sense that we're going to just we're we're going to just be like, yeah, it's, I, I saw what happened. That's just what happened. Another great example of this lens issue is that video that just came out just a couple days ago of the young man confronting the Native American who is doing his his sacred chants with his drum. And it when you looked at it, it appeared that there was this real. Um, Uh, disrespect in this kid uh, towards specifically the Native American you knew nothing else about the context or any of the other players or how long that scene was going or what came before or after but then once you saw so that came out and everybody was up in arms including myself I was so upset at this kid and then the video this other video came out which showed the greater context and then you hear the, the kids perspective and you go Oh, gosh, it's not at all what I saw and, and then you start to realize I was completely uh, Projecting so 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 projection is another word Pro- Just like narcissism isn't reserved for the select few narcissists Projection isn't something that happens some of the time <laughs> Projection is all the time you're projecting on me right now. I'm hoping That I'm breaking through that a little bit. I'm hoping I've earned your trust enough for you to really hear me as I am and hear me for what I am actually saying. But I'll tell you what I come across again and again is once we get down to this real meaty stuff where the person that I'm encountering their next step is to have to take that scary step back from the lens. That's when I get the finger Pointed at me as though I'm judging them, and this and that. And they don't realize there's a judger going on inside of them, and they can only see that because they're starting to do this, they're starting to feel, they're starting to feel their real self. And there's, like I said, there's a passage or some dark valleys in that transition. You can, we have defense mechanisms against that happening. That's when we can really go out and attack and go external with it. So I've had to really learn that, you know, that. This getting woke on this level uh, can actually be experienced as threatening, even though, in a way, the most threatening thing is to stay here and not know it. So, you know, I'm hoping you can feel the excitement of that because even though it can be scary, and that's appropriate, it's it should be reality. There should be some awe and reverence, and I mean that in a non religious sense, not that reverence in a religious sense is. Is bad or anything like that. I'm just saying reverence is not reserved to the religious. It's for everybody. With that? It's, it's that, um, it's that honoring that honorableness of, of recognizing, wow, that not taking this for granted, not taking this existence for granted. And, and it is a humbleness, right? That I think is the human up, you know, saying human up, but we often say humble down. But I'd like to say humble up. This is going to be one of my next uh, sharings as well. But the humble up. Think of it not as a down, like humble down, like like a scared dog, you know, because you don't want to get hit. Think of it like a humbling up as you shed that narcissistic posture the weight of it the rigidity of it the numbing effects of it to become available for love and awe and wonder and and genuine appreciation for existence if you don't have if we don't have that what do we have are we even alive at that point yeah we might have a biological heartbeat we might be moving around but what is life without the the most fundamental sense of oh my goodness i am i'm here We're here, you're sacred, nature, sunrise, breath, food, Ah, thank you, you know, instead of this, you're in my way, Mm -hmm." (laughs) right, which I'm admitting to that, I mean, I'm not uh, sitting here just preaching at you without having done some serious work on myself and having to be brave enough to look at my own despicable behavior. And when I say despicable, it's not in a finger pointy judgmental way. It's in a very uh, neutral calling it what it is. You treat another person like they're in your way and they may, they may be, (laughs) and they may actually be sleeping. And that's the thing they're in their narcissistic bubble. They may actually be being unsacred and, un, uh, and not being cool. But if I'm answering that with another narcissistic impulse, then I'm just adding insult to injury and that's how we break down as, as, a, as, a, as a species. That's how we're going to take ourselves out. So we all have to be willing to look at that inside of ourselves. And it isn't pretty. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, lowercase g. I'm going to say there's two kinds of good here. Lowercase g good is the escapist good. It feels good because I don't have to look at it. If, you know, taking, taking something that makes the pain go away feels good, right? If it's like a numbing, it feels good to numb it away, make it go away. It feels good to, to take your attention off your sorrows and focus on whatever your, your distraction may be. Lowercase g, good. The real good that we actually want to feel is such a badass version of feeling good that we can't take any of our baggage into it. In the process of dropping our baggage, sometimes doesn't feel very good. Just like how throwing up sometimes, who, whoever enjoys throwing up, you know, when you're feeling sick and you have to... Ugh. Right, but you feel so much better afterwards. Try to see this process that I'm, uh, I'm calling you towards the humble up, is a cleansing of the toxicity, and rigidity, of the narcissistic solipsistic um, monologue, um, implosion version of life which is completely normalized and we're wondering where all this disease is coming from and, and aging the way we've seen it and, and, and depression and opioid crisis. We're wondering where all that's coming from. It's coming from this this grip, this asphyxiating grip of an old, tired code that's like a virus that got into our consciousness and in our minds and we don't even know it's there and we're trying desperately to feel better and in our desperate trying we're making things worse and digging ourselves deeper even while we seem to get a leg up here and there with some mega ones You know, we are trying to move in the right direction, but we're to say against the wind is almost too gentle. You know, it's it's almost worse than that. It's more like pressing against a wall or clawing at a big wall, you know, and trying to get through. And 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 so when you see that and you see, oh, my gosh, we don't have to do that, then you understand why I'm so. Passionate about this, and that it's not about coming from a place of judgment. It's coming from a place of freedom, true freedom to be blissful beings. That's what I'm after for myself, for you, for all of us. But you don't do that in a narcissistic bubble. You don't pull freedom. Freedom is badass, man. And we've got to show up for it. We humble up to it. We got to let go of a something deep, something familiar. And it's not about getting rid of your possessions. It's something deeper. And and it's not even getting rid of yourself, but it's getting rid of of an addictiveness, uh, of a fixedness to the the deepest patterning of all. If we can't see it, man, all we're going to keep on doing is Band-Aid therapies. And we're going to just keep on patching. They're just patching, 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 patching. Right? At some point, we got to turn that... That attention inward each one of us has to do this and see that the problems that are all around us and within us are all connected and then if you frame Gandhi's be the change you wish to see in the world now it takes flight and then if you see you know man in the mirror woman in the mirror person in the mirror I'm starting with the person in the mirror I'm asking her to change her ways asking him to change his ways, then frame it in this light. That's the mirror, the mirror that I'm talking about. It's the mirror that allows you to s- free yourself from the narcissist in all of us. Be that change, and that is going to have ripples far bigger than any narcissistically based attempt at going after symptoms, right? So the, the impulse to go after the symptoms It comes from a good place of wanting the world to be better. I'm not putting that down. But what I'm saying is that the way we're going about it is getting us deeper into the hole because we don't understand what's actually caused it. I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert with this next one. But uh, if you haven't seen the movie uh, Edge of Tomorrow, I think it's called Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. It's a, it's a pr- beautiful example, and basically, the real quick fast forward is the aliens are attacking the planet, and we're at war with them. Tom Cruise gets plopped into the middle of this battle. He gets splattered with a certain kind of the alien's blood, which has some effect of having him keep on being reborn on the same day. He starts to figure out because of that repetition, he starts to get really good at knowing exactly when each attack is going to take place. And it's almost like every time he dies and he dies a bunch of times, he graduates and he, he learns his lesson and he goes further and further and further and further. And in that process, he realizes and I forget exactly how it comes to be. But this is a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear this part, just stop it. But he realizes that the alien wants us to fight all of the little aliens. why? because the a- the main alien, the main brain that's generating all of these aliens can generate them forever There's, and so in other words, even though the humans may get the illusion that they're they're winning by beating certain number of these aliens, the, the alien knows. They're they're gone because it's only a matter of time before they wear themselves out and finally lose because I'm going to just keep on regenerating more and more and more and more and more. But what the main brain, the main alien brain doesn't want to be known is that that's happening. <laughs> it loves that, that the humans are stuck on the symptoms. And the main brain, in the meantime, Tom Cruise figures out, his character, is underneath the Louvre in France. And that's how the game is won, is he, he, go, he goes there, he gets, he, he locates it down to the wire as, you know, the action movies tend to go and boom, gets it, wipes them all out. I want you to think of that as an analogy for what we're looking at. Think of all of the symptoms that you see in the world, no matter what, any of them and all of them, big and small, close to home, out in the world, every single one of them are the aliens in this analogy. To go after the aliens, noble, good intention. You, you, And what else is there to do? You got to go after those aliens. You go get those aliens. Very noble of you. But noble or not, is it getting to the problem? Is it getting to the source of the problem? That's the kind of shift we're talking about now. Is anyone else talking about that? I don't know. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard it enough. And in the, the wisdom uh, realms, wisdom coaches and teachers and celebrities, I'm not hearing it yet, still symptomatic. Once you get those lenses, the lens to see that, you realize, oh, my God. <sighs> and, and there's people, that I believe, are banking on what I'm saying not coming out because businesses are run on, on going after the symptoms. I'm saying don't go after the symptoms anymore. Yeah, we got to treat the symptoms, of course. But... Let's go after the main brain. In that case, the main brain, where does it take root? Not under the Louvre in France. (laughs) In each one of us as a viral code that we become the host to as long as we don't see it. What I'm saying is not new. I'm saying it in a new way. It is new. To be fair, what I am saying is new. But it's built on millennia of a global endeavor across the planet towards e pluribus unum, towards the source, towards reason, towards science. And when I say science, I mean science with a capital S, the mother of all sciences, the mother of all intelligence itself. And there is a... uh, a universal movement towards that, and as we're peaking in the in the the, the decibel of the screaming intensity right now, uh, of of the crisis we're facing and the potential for 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 true disaster in the level we've not seen before, we're at a prime time now, especially with the global interconnectivity. We're at a prime time to click on the lights now and you have to be willing to ask yourself Are you in this for yourself alone to further yourself? Because it's easy to point at the oil companies or this or that and these guys are hurting nature nature and these guys are Are being greedy and these people are whatever it's so easy to point out that out out there But can you be brave enough to face the narcissist inside of yourself? Which is y- you thinking that you have freedom, but really deceiving yourself into staying in your prison, inviting others, and even capitalizing that gullibility and and vulnerability in others, because everybody wants to come back to bliss. Everybody wants to. Wisdom coaches, are you standing in the way of that, promising it, keeping them on the Titanic because you haven't done your homework yet? You haven't stepped back and seen the lens issue? You're still fighting the aliens, the symptoms? I'm I'm asking that question. Everybody has to ask that question. And if we don't, we're part of the problem. We're part of perpetuating it. And it doesn't matter how you present it. So, you know, sophistry is alive and well. And it is rampant. And narcissism does not have to be overt. In fact, it's mostly covert. Because we're all in cahoots in that sense. Sort of like, you don't blow my cover, I won't blow your cover. You know? So there, this is simultaneously the most exciting moment potentially, and also simultaneously and appropriately, the most scary moment because we get attached. We get attached, man. We get invested is a good word. We are so invested, entire lives are built on what is essentially a narcissistic death trap. While we're getting, what we think we're getting what we want, we're actually killing ourselves. It's a, it's a form of unintentional suicide. But it is voluntary. Once seen, you can opt out. <sighs> so this is my invitation to you guys. I hope you enjoyed this journey. Um, this is all completely unscripted, guys. I, 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 kn- I knew what I wanna say, but it's a meditation. I'm just demonstrating the, the, the deep logic and trying to help you get the feeling for that more expanded lens that's able to connect the dots and to to really start to see. And like I said earlier, if it's all confused and the narcissism thrives, if narcissism is the name of the virus, it thrives on the confusion. It thrives on us not being able to see that it's going on, right? So. When we, when we, when ourselves are packed into that little container, it's like a compressed file where you're, if you want to call it your true self, your happy self, your blissful self, your true nature, which isn't some utopian pie in the sky idea, guys, that's who we're supposed to be. You know, that's our ultimate birthright is to be who we are, to be blissful, to be happy, to be in reverence and joy and wonder and, 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 and in touch with the deep authentic appreciation for existence and our lives and each other and genuine honoring of each other and our differences and, and, and to just be in love, right? Is our birthright and that's compressed into our narcissistic selves and we can't we can't decompress the file. That's what I'm asking you to do. It's like it's like you're you're decompressing the file. You're able to stepping back from that, that lens. That's what I'm asking you to do, because only your true, your true woke rational higher higher rational self can can see the narcissism that i am referring to the deep narcissism the source of all forms of narcissism covert overt obvious and not the source of all narciss- narcissism itself which is a suicide trap that we get duped into believing it's promise for 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 fulfillment and satisfaction and it never comes. That's scary. That is the real scary What I'm asking you to see with me is actually super duper exciting and liberating and freeing. Scary in a good way. What's really scary is the idea of staying in that space of suicide. Even if you, And then not knowing it, to be well adjusted to that, to think you're on the right path of your life and not know it, which is to be in hell and not know it, but you're still in hell. And that kind of ignorance is not bliss. So in the transition, it can be a lot. And uh, the sooner... W- more of us get hip to this the more we can support each other and what really is not unlike the transition of the caterpillar to the butterfly it's like that's the human up analogy is is we're all potentially butterfly humans if you want to think of it in that way like the cat the butterfly isn't the caterpillar but it's also not not the caterpillar it's a it's a Metamorphosis—it's a transformation uh, of, a, of a, if you really see it, a beautiful order. And as it starts, the imaginal cells that are carrying the code of the butterfly to help rearrange the whole being into the butterfly expression—they are actually fought against by the caterpillar immune system in a way. It's like—it's almost like it doesn't want to become a butterfly, <laughs> you know—and it's fighting that. But when the numbers enough imaginal cells build up, then it can't be stopped and, and the transformation takes place and right. So I'm not saying you're going to sprout wings or antenna or anything like that, but think of it like, uh, you know, in terms of experientially and in terms of your being and, 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 and where you live, because remember where you live isn't where your body is situated, but you're where you live, you're living in your experience, and your consciousness, and your level of interpretation, and in your level of perception is your house. I have a, a podcast about that, uh, episode four, uh, before I started doing the videos here. So, you know, if your house, <laughs> the house of your being, you know, which is, I wouldn't just say your body, but your consciousness, your the place you're, you're living in your consciousness, and your consciousness practice, and if you're not able to step back from that and see that 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 house can be a prison, then uh, we are indeed enslaved by by it. And that's some serious ish. And it's not just a matter of, oh, well, that's sad for you. No, that's got ripple effects across the planet. Every the, if we're all in that space, if we're all in that breakdown, what do you think is going to happen to humanity and the planet as a whole? So this is very, very serious. This is um, really the coming to fruition of be the change you want to see in the world. and looking at the being in the mirror. It's not changing your ways. It's not changing your patterns of behavior because your patterns of behavior are symptomatic of the way that you think, your code of your consciousness. So you can try to, in other words, you can put on different clothes, but you're still the same person. It's like that. You can go from, say, a life of materialistic, You know focus to I'm letting go of my material goods and I'm becoming a free being and now I'm going to wear hemp clothes and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to only say positive things you're just changing the clothes and you're thinking that's it well you can do all of those moves and it might be a nice move it might be a pleasant move but we're not talking about just leveraging you know, we're not talking about going to another room on the Titanic or another section of the Titanic. We're talking about getting off the Titanic, which is a whole other level of badassery. And that needs to be respected. That's where the humble up comes in because we, we have to be super duper woke about how the narcissism demands that everything be on its terms. That's the essence of narcissism. So wisdom, which is calling us to leave our narcissism, we want wisdom on our terms, right? That's what we do to everything. We, we down, instead of upgrading, we download it. And in that sense, kill it. So packaged wisdom is, is, is dead. It might give you a little buzz, like a pill. You know, you get the you get the new spiritual catchphrase and, and you feel it makes you get a buzz or some technique that makes you feel something. And then you go, that's it. Right. But what we're doing is trying to squeeze the last little drops out of this out of this state state of being that we humanity has been in for a long time but it's it's like a cancer it's metastasized to such extent now that either we get woke or we we you you know where I'm going with that so it's about getting real And what the narcissist abhors the most is a a version of real that challenges its reality. It challenges its preferences, right? But I want it on my terms. If it doesn't feel good to me, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. While you wouldn't even be able to breathe or have a heartbeat or walk two steps if it weren't for being sustained and supported by something bigger than you. None of us l- live in a vacuum. We can't, we're not self sustaining. There's that arrogance. Again, narcissism, arrogance. They're, they're the, it's the same virus. And the arrogance, it can be ignorant arrogance and to that extent, kind of innocent to a point. But then there's a certain point at which ignorance is a willful choice. Uh, ignorance becomes uh you know an fu to the to to reality and a privileging of one one's own bubble and preferences and, and and limitations over goodness with a capital g Where what's best for oneself is what's best for the other, and what's best for the other is what's best for oneself. We can't get that, and just we just get another. We just end up with another either or, you know, just like capitalism and communism, you know, uh, leftist liberals and right-wing conservatives, and all of these. Don't you see the pattern? The either or. That's the code. That's the virus. That's the splitter. That's the divisive. And, and one side can never win over the other side. And, and, and the, the tension's building and building and building. And what is it asking us to do? It's asking us to human up. It's asking us to, to butterfly up. You know, it's asking us to humble up to a higher level of reason, a higher level of truth and understanding. And we're not starting from scratch, thank goodness. And if we place all of the great wisdom traditions in that global light, instead of into tribalized, compartmentalized, which again is that same addiction that we have, which which essentially renders inert and lifeless what was supposed to be medicine for humanity coming through 2,500 plus years ago in, in, in all kinds of ways and, and ever since. And look at the atrocities and the struggles and the war and the just on and on and on and on it's been there but it's been broken it's been like all these pieces you know and they've been disconnected in the confusion and the conflation and and we're trying to get better we want to get better but it's we need something we need to get woke to be able to connect the dots you know that's the that's the real human being homo sapien is the wise being is the is the coherent being the ultimately coherent being that's not a matter of gaining more information guys that's not a it's not a matter of of uh, comp getting more fancy Int- intelligence is not fancy or complex intelligence is infinite simplicity whilst holding together infinite complexity so it's, again, it's not an either or, either complex or simple. Pluribus unum is a higher level of awareness. And, and I didn't invent Pluribus unum. That's my point. I'm not the one saying that for the first time. That's been the endeavor of the planet. It's all been trying and striving and moving towards that, making grave mistakes along the way. But guys, we've made enough grave mistakes. And, and we're not happy now. You know, we might be accustomed to where we are now, but we're not where we can be. And it's not a pie in the sky and it's not utopian. That's just another defense mechanism to try and shoot it down because we're scared of it. We're scared of what it asks. In, in theory, oh, yeah, peace, harmony, love, understanding. I want that. But are you really ready to face what it asks of all of us? Because narcissism doesn't make its way into harmony. It's just about getting real man we've got to get real and getting real is getting humble so that's my sharing today my goodness no idea that was gonna go that long or in that way but these these sharings need to have the breathing room I hope you enjoy the ride I take you on you know and my ultimate hope is to be one of eight billion who can who can roll in in their own unique way of being a source sapien, a a, a, a true, you know, butterfly human, where we are widely different. And yet, uno. I'll catch you next time.